Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Jake Kokorowski here, and thank you guys. First off, thank you so much for making last week's episodes, those two episodes, the most listened to episodes in this short run of the podcast that we've had so far. So that's amazing. Thank you guys uh, for listening to Ty Strickland, to Derek Tindall, to John Veldheis in those two episodes last week. We have a great show. We're following those up. We have Drew Hom coming on in about, I'd say, about five to ten minutes. But first, what I want to do is play an interview I had earlier today. It is Thursday, so Thursday morning during the practice number eight for the Wisconsin Badgers during spring football. Talked to true freshman nose tackle Bryson Williams. I'm impressed by the kid's mindset. He is a true freshman early enrollee. He has that the, the right frame of mind to go about it. The physicality is there. You saw the squats. We talk about that during this interview. But it's really intriguing to see how he's progressed. And now, you know, he's getting reps with the reserves, the number two team, basically, the number, you know, the, the two deep, if you think about it. Uh, you know, it's he is basically right behind Olive Sangapolo, and he's acting like a sponge. He's essentially attached to the hip of Olive, just watching his every movement. You'll hear about why and what he's looking at. Uh, so without further ado, here's true freshman nose tackle Bryson Williams here on Bucky's fifth podcast. Can we talk about the squat video real quick? So what, what day was it? What, 553 times was it? 550 for three. Uh, I knew we were going for that that three rep max that day. I, um, you know, my goal was originally 520 because um, before that I had been 500, but, you know, I, I was really feeling it and all the guys were, of course, hyped. You saw the video, everybody was jumping around. It was pretty crazy. So I put 550 on and I, I did it pretty easily. It was, it was a good day. Good team effort all the day. What, what, is it, what does it mean, like, when you tell all those guys rolling together, like, you know, pumped up music blaring? Like, how does that How does that help? I mean, obviously, I, I try to work out. <laughs> uh, maybe I can get the bar. Yeah. But when it comes to, like, when getting the teammates hyped up, they're all around you jumping. And yeah. How does that help with, with you know, as a team? It's a, it's a family atmosphere. It feels, it feels like less weight because it feels like more people are lifting it with you. In the end, that's what it felt like was, you know, I, it wasn't just me in the weight room by myself. I had all those guys helped me lift that bar together. And so it didn't feel like 550 at all. It, it felt good and it felt, those guys really helped out a lot. You know, I mean, I've talked to Olive, uh, and I've also talked to, you know, the Pinocchio coach director field uh, about, you know, you're developing and you sound, they sound like you have the right mindset. Uh, you know, I'm seeing you after practice talking, you know, working with Olive and Gunnar. How often are you staying after for, like, for extra work after each session? Yeah, I try to stay after a little bit just because I have so much to work on. Um, you know, I'm hoping to play next year, so I got I got to get caught up. Me being a mid-year freshman isn't going to be an excuse when we get to the field. Um, I wouldn't want to be. I'm I'm on the level with these guys. I think I deserved it. So, I mean, I got to I got to earn the spot I can get. Um, so that's why I'm staying after, because I'm you know I just got I'm at a disadvantage. But you can't you can't nobody cares. You know <laughs> nobody cares. That's that, you know that's the big thing this year is nobody cares for Carter. So that's what I that's what I'm doing. Uh, nobody cares that I'm a mid-year. I just got to work harder than everybody else. When it comes to what are some of the biggest things that the adjustment for you, like physically, it appears you're ready, you know, and obviously with that squad video is one in case an example, but like what are just some of the, the mental aspects that you're working to pick up, the, the technique, the fundamentals, you know, what are some of the things that you, you're trying to pick up early on? Yeah, I have I have a lot to do mentally. Uh, not, yeah, uh, you know, physically I'm, I'm, you know, I can push my own weight, but mentally I got to, you know, it's the playbook. I got to study more film. And I got to get, um, you know, my right hand placement, foot placement, 
I got to get a lot better at that. I need to make a huge improvement on that before the spring game, hopefully, and definitely before the season. Have you seen the progression though through eight practice? I know that you're oh, yeah. you know you know a couple couple practices before spring break yeah. mistaken, but like are you seeing that progression? Yeah, yeah, I'm every day I'm getting better. Every rep I'm getting better. We have a I have a greater line to go against every rep. So you have to give it your hundred percent every player, you'll get drove to the ground. So I, I feel myself progressing. Um, but you know I can't I can't stop ever. I gotta I gotta learn more things. We put new things in almost every day. So I gotta make sure I keep up with that while also learning everything else that everybody already knows. So I just gotta learn and pick up and go with it. I mean, Alive has mentioned to me that you, you know, he sees a lot of himself in you when it comes to where you are right now and progressing. How has he helped mentor and kind of tutor you and kind of go through? I mean, even before, like you know, first week, I saw you guys working a little bit, you know, and you guys are continuing after practice to do that extra work. And it seems like you're on the like. Sort of like a t I wouldn't say attached to his hip, but you're mm -hmm. close by watching what he's doing. Yeah. Oh uh, no, I would I would even go as far as Sam attached to his hip. If you anybody who can watch practice and see that, I'm always right by him seeing what he's doing. Um, and I think that's important for me. He's he's a great player. He, he's a great defensive lineman. I I haven't seen anything like him in person as far as his technique and exactly he knows where every block's going. So if I can get to that level. I mean, I'll be straight like that. He's he's a great player. That's why I'm always watching his feet and his hand placement and, you know, what he's thinking on certain blocks because I, I think he's that great of a player, and I think I can learn a tremendous amount from him. I really do. Well, I mean, is that what happens, like, when you're, like, you know, when you're doing a drill, he's, like, in front of you, and then like, what what are you – is that what you're working on? Like, what exactly are you seeing when he's doing a rep during a drill every, during team? I, I, every time Olive's doing a rep, I'm trying to get myself two reps mentally. I because like I said, I gotta improve on the mental part. So everything he's doing, I'm watching his hands and his feet. I'm giving myself two mental reps and this one physical rep. So I'm I'm always there. I'm always seeing what he's doing. My eyes don't wander in practice. I'm always keen on exactly what he's doing, and I make it a point. You know, there's no, you know, I don't have, you know, there's no shame in me seeing what exactly what he's doing all the time. I'm I'm on his hip seeing exactly what he's doing because I just think he's that great of a player. When it comes to uh also, film work. Are you coming in also doing extra, extra work with with Coach Ivy or, or yeah. Olive coming in on the weekends or whatnot? Yeah, Olive is pretty busy sometimes, but I try to do as much film work by myself as I can. Um, you know, I just have so much to learn that, you know, you watch that film and then they bring in something the next day and you're like, oh, I, got, I just got that down. Um, so yeah, I have, I got a lot more film to do. Um, some days harder than others because of school and stuff like that for any for anybody on the team. Um, but yeah, I, I can definitely, you know, I definitely do my part in the film for sure. And then, uh, did you do anything fun for spring break? I went home. <laughs> we all went home. I know all of the early enrollees. We all we all went back um, to where we were, um, like where we lived at before, and I, it was good seeing family. Uh, I, I definitely needed it. We all needed it because it was our first time. We hadn't been home since we got here. We were all starting to get mentally. We were all, we were all starting to get broke down mentally, and so it was it was good to get back for sure. Aaron this uh, Aaron Crookshank on Tuesday. What's your favorite class so far? Early favorite on? class? I like math. <laughs> I know a lot of people don't like math, but I have that's probably one of my highest grades. I like I like numbers. I'm gonna I plan on going to the business school. I just when I, I I don't know. I just some I feel like something clicks every time I get a problem or something like that. When I just like seeing things seeing things click like that. Which math class? I'm in math 112 right now, so it's it's a class I have to take to get to the business school, so it's like a pre-calculus class for calculus. Folks, you just heard from 
Bryson Williams kicking off Bucky's fifth podcast with the interview with the true freshman nose tackle as he begins his journey playing collegiate football. And I come away impressed with him just talking with him as we spoke with him back in December for an article on Bucky's fifth quarter. And now you'll see one coming up by, by the weekend about him and just how he's progressed through even the first, you know, three, four weeks of practice uh, through practice number eight, technically. And so, you know who I'm also impressed by, and it's for the fact that maybe we recorded the show last, this content, our, this segment last Monday, and then my recording equipment failed. So maybe I'm not, I'm impressed that he has given me, the the mercy and and the grace to forgive me on this one we are here with drew ham and the big roast once again on bucky's fifth podcast drew i take it you forgive me after that blunder on my end you know it, it took me a while to get there but i think i'm finally ready to forgive you uh my final four picks were completely wrong and nobody got to hear those so that's uh <laughs> unfortunate um and, you know with this we're going to do a quick um uh, breakdown of, of just the season that was uh for wisconsin the way too early top 25 some grad transfer talk al- among some other uh juicy morsels we got coming to you in the next uh, 20 minutes or so here on bucky's fifth podcast and drew you know, real quick let's talk about the final four did you enjoy the games did you in, what stood out to you in those you know in the in the three games that were played uh this past weekend and and you know just especially at the end with Villanova capturing that title on Monday night and, and Jay Wright, you know, reaching that pinnacle there. I mean, I, I hate to be kind of a, a grouch, but the games were kind of lame. Uh, I guess Loyola was winning at halftime against Michigan, but then I guess, what what do they say? The Cinderella's slipper Yeah, uh, her... got flushed down the toilet or whatever. Yeah, I think that's ca- what they say. <laughs> <laughs> the the carriage turned into a pumpkin essentially the, right the clock stuck that, struck midnight sounds like uh like a butt joke pumpkins <laughs> anyway the, i thought the games were the games are kind of boring and then villanova steamrolled michigan villanova's good man uh that that team is like i'm impressed that wisconsin beat them last year because let's make this all about us here in the year that we didn't even make the tournament that's the thing you got to think about this uh Two out of the last three years, Villanova hasn't played Wisconsin in the tournament. They win the national title. The one year they do play Wisconsin, hmm, that's funny. You lose in the second round. Uh, otherwise, I I wasn't impressed by any of the games. I the the women's final four was a hundred times better. Uh, Daria Gumbawale's sister hit two buzzer beaters, one in the semifinals and one in the finals. Like how much more exciting? It couldn't have been more exciting. Uh, I would much rather have been. I did watch those games. I the, those games were way better. Yeah, no, it, it you know watching that the Cinderella story was fun with with Loyola Chicago. I know some people said, oh, they're not uh, necessarily you know great, you know like they're not Cinderella if they're in the Final Four. But based off of what it was, I mean, it was a great story. And, and but you know Michigan played well enough, obviously, to, to become the national runner up and, and obviously advance to that national title game. It's, uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, yeah, you said the duds, were, games were kind of duds. Uh, Villanova, I mean, that showed how good they were. Uh, and, and despite, you know, I, mean, I was guilty of this too, saying, you know, the teams, I felt like there wasn't a, a real dominant team. 
Uh, Villanova came up and uh, proved me wrong, obviously, with what do I know uh, on my end compared to those guys that play better. I've always said that. <laughs> um, you know, and, and with with that too, you know, let's even like just we talk Final Four. Let's let's talk about having a Wisconsin correct, uh, connection. You know, Arike Ogumbawale for Notre Dame. My word, what a performance in the women's Final Four just what she did two game winning shots once against the powerhouse Yukon. And then at the end, uh, you know, of regulation uh, in, in the national championship game for the women, just ice cold in her veins. She pointed to her veins after the games, absolutely incredible performance, you know, and obviously Enrique is, is Dario Gumbawale's sister, but she's become, a, she became a legend uh, with you know, an NCAA tournament with just what she, what she did, you know, uh, this past weekend. It was just completely bonkers. I can't even imagine. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a player have a better weekend than, uh, than what she had. And then she was tweeting with Kobe after the game saying she had that Mamba mentality. And then somebody uh, unearthed because, you know, everything is forever on the internet. Back when she was in high school going through the recruiting process, she tweeted out a top five or whatever that didn't include UConn. And then like two hours later, Gino Auriemma tweeted something super salty about how some players were that they weren't even interested in were tweeting out top fives, and then she comes back and stabs a dagger right through his dumb neck, which was pretty <laughs> badass. It's funny to note that uh, Wisconsin was in uh, Agumbawale's top five, probably just because she's from Milwaukee. If she, well, I mean, she is smart because she didn't choose to come to Wisconsin. Our women's basketball team is just awful. But uh, though I do will say Jonathan Sifis is trying to take it over. I think he's going to do something good there. I, th- I think it's going to take a little bit of so. time. I hope so. It would be nice to have. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen a Wisconsin women's basketball game because we're never good enough to be on TV. Yeah. Anyway, that, yeah. We're, we're we've we're, we've strayed from the point. Yeah, we strayed from uh, the point. Yeah, but yeah, but no, Arike, an amazing game. And, you know, amazing game, set of games and has now you know, she's now rightfully placed in the upper echelon of legends uh, in the NCAA tournament just for what she did alone. And so and, and Dare was obviously tweeted, you know, at the end of the, the national championship game, said, you know, my, you know, my baby sister. And then, you know, after Kobe tweeted at her. Had Arike, he uh, he quote tweeted it saying, "So are you coming to our family barbecues now?" Uh, which uh, that that was a nice little sense of humor there from from Dare, and yeah, it'll be, you know, we'll see what where Arike ends up and, and you know how she continues. I think she's only a redshirt junior, or not, I don't know if she's even a redshirt junior. I think she's just a junior. Uh, we'll see what comes next year for her. But congratulations to her and Notre Dame. Uh, you know, it's uh, maybe it was it, but another thing with UConn women being so highly touted up and being. The, the Brock Lesnar of, if we're using pro wrestling terms because it's WrestleMania weekend, of like you know, the unstoppable machine, you know, people rooted for Notre Dame, which I, I think is, or most people did. Maybe some didn't just because of the name Notre Dame alone, but yeah, she got people to cheer for Notre Dame and have that big game, which is, I think, an accomplishment of herself. And, and I mean, obviously, the bigger accomplishments, gosh, just those game-winning shots were just phenomenal. And just, I mean, I don't mean to make too much of it, but man, I mean, you watch just, you know, the way that that last shot in that national championship game was just bonkers and just how, you know, just the angle and just running, uh, you know, towards that part of the court. Phenomenal. It was phenomenal ending. 
It was. Uh, she made me feel bad for cheering for Notre Dame, but I, I was happy they won. Uh, I don't think you should invite Kobe Bryant to your family barbecue. He seems like the kind of guy who would stand by the grill and yell at whoever was in charge of the grill for doing things wrong. <laughs> I just I don't want Kobe Bryant anywhere near my backyard. You you uh you grilled your steak. You're supposed to flip him on that side. I I want the, I want the the char marks in the shape of a diamond. I could see him being just critique like that's about thirty seconds thirty seconds too too much there, man. That's gonna be be medium rare or medium medium to well done and i don't like my steak that way i could just yeah, yeah maybe i could see that i could see that he's gonna he's gonna have a lot of problems i'm just not trying to deal with it <laughs> Co- uh, kobe Bryant, if you're listening you're not welcome at my barbecue <laughs> uh we you know going to wisconsin looking at the recap right uh 15 and 18 overall obviously had that rough stretch in january after after they won against indiana on January 2nd, just went through a really tough stretch. Uh, came back to, they peaked at the right time, you could say, even without the injuries. Um, I would just say, it, it, you know, definitely a year of rebuilding uh, where you lose two guards with Kobe King, Demetri Trice, 10 games in uh, for the season, essentially. And even though Trice came back to practice towards the end of the year, but then did not see time on the court. It, you know, first time in what 19 years that they did not make the tournament and they did not finish fourth or better in the conference. It was a rough year. You know, there were, there were some great signs, but you know, in your opinion, how would you, how is this gonna? Let's let's look five years in the future. Where where do you how do you, how would you remember this team? Do you feel, in your opinion, you know, five years from now, how will you look back on this this year's squad? Uh, honestly, I think it depends on what happens in two years. If, uh, the Badgers are back competing for, you know, sweet 16s and potentially final fours, I'll look back on this year kind of fondly is the year all these youngsters came together and got some playing time when they maybe shouldn't have been playing. And that led to them making, a making some noise in the tournament, but if it kind of just returns a bit to normal, where the Badgers make the tournament and they might make a deep run here or there, I honestly probably won't remember this year at all. The, there wasn't a whole lot memorable. Ethan Happ had a very good year, but he's just had a, a great career. I'm going to remember him fondly as one of the best players to ever play at Wisconsin. Uh, you'll remember Brad Davison being extremely precocious for a uh, freshman, and he just uh, the kid is fearless. And I am excited to watch him finish out his career for the Badgers. Uh, otherwise, it's not a whole lot of memorable stuff. Cleo Iverson had some sweet dunks. That that was pretty cool. Uh, we beat Illinois twice. I, I hope I don't remember that. <laughs> uh, on that note, talk about Ethan Happ. And let's talk about, I mean, earlier this week he formally declared – for the NBA draft, and I think it's obvious it's the right move. He did it without an agent, so he's allowed to come back to school if you know by I think the deadline is June 11th uh, to withdraw your name from the NBA draft. But he declares has the opportunity to be invited to the NBA Combine to gather feedback. I think it's the smart decision on his end, uh, and I mean he said it to reporters back in early March after the loss of Michigan State that he was going to declare without an agent essentially and. 
but it's either going to be back to Wisconsin or to the NBA if he can get that first-round projection. It should be interesting to see what feedback he does get, but, uh, I mean, it'll be – I mean, and I think next year's success with Way, if he does come back, I think that makes that team better and gives him that ability to, to make that run towards the NCAA tournament. If he doesn't come back for some reason – then you're looking at Wisconsin then having to depend upon the likes of Charlie Charles Thomas and Alex Lucanen and, and a young Nate Reavers and Aleem Ford to pick up where, you know, half led the team in the scoring, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, uh, you know, among all those other you know, among those categories. That'd be a hard loss if he does in fact stay, you know, in consideration for the NBA draft. I mean, it's 100% the right move to declare and get in those camps and have NBA talent evaluators look at you and tell you what you need to improve upon. Uh, I'm a guy who follows the NBA draft pretty closely, especially being a Sixers fan. Recently, that's uh, all we've had to care about. Until this year, we're currently on a 12-game winning streak, biggest game in the last five years on Friday night against <laughs> Cleveland for the third seed in the Eastern Conference. But uh, I have seen his name mentioned in zero mock drafts, and, and that's fine. Uh, if he hears something crazy, like some team is super high on him, he he plays good defense, he passes well for a big man, uh, he has great you know footwork around the basket. Uh, I don't know if a team would spend a first-round draft pick on him. I, I don't think they would. Uh, it would be smart for him to come back. The 2019 draft is widely considered uh, shallower than the 2018 draft. Uh, I think a couple kind of fringe first-round picks are making their decisions based on that. They're going back to school where they will then move up the draft board. Uh, I, I hope he comes back because I, I've seen some some way too early top 25 lists have Wisconsin ranked, which I think might be a bit premature. But with Ethan Happ and with the uh, Trice and King coming back. I could see him being ranked by the end of the season. And I, I mean, that's a big thing too. Is there, is it too early to look into, I mean, see you, you, they had, they received the commit verbal commitment from Ty Strickland, the 2018 point guard. We had him on the show last week. Uh, and thank you guys again for listening to, to that interview along with Derek Tindall in that same episode. But I, I, you know, it makes you wonder, like it should be interesting to see how he works in, you know, Davison, King, Trice are all going to be coming back off of injury, uh, and, and Davison hopefully will have one arm, or will have two arms now to work with. Uh, and and on, on, with that, I mean, what are the big question marks for this team? Let's say, let's assume Hap comes back. We can do one where Hap doesn't come back, but let's just say, let's let's assume Ethan Hap would come back. What's what are the biggest issues for Wisconsin? in your opinion, for next season? Uh, health. I mean, I, I think that's key every year, but uh, especially for the Badgers with a number of players coming off of uh, pretty serious injuries. They, they, they've got to stay healthy. If they do, they will actually be a pretty deep team next year, considering all the minutes they got a lot of young guys this past season. Uh, I also think they need to find some consistent outside shooting. Uh, Brevin Pritzel was seemingly finding his stroke at the end of the year. Aleem Ford, every once in a while, would have a game where he made like four or five three-pointers. 
But if those two guys can become consistent threats from deep and uh, Trice can occasionally knock one home, that would give Hap so much more room to operate down low and also kind of prohibit teams from triple teaming him when he gets the ball in the post. Just uh, having a little bit of respect for the guys on the outside would make his life a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, obviously if he leaves then, I mean, they have to replace the scoring, the rebounding, the the assists, and, and they'd have to be, I obviously it'd have to be by committee where one person couldn't take on everything there if he does leave. So, uh, wait, obviously we're speculating. We'll get more into that. Obviously we'll probably find out in early June once Hap uh, makes his final decision. Real quick, as we're running out of time a little bit, uh, way too early top 25 in your opinion for the, for next season. Uh, I've seen Wisconsin ranked as highly as 15, and I think that is way too high. I see them starting the season between 30 and 40, probably. At 35, I guess, seems like a pretty good spot for them to start the season at. Excellent. Uh, yeah, and... Now, you talked about this. We, there's going to be someone probably, like, they're going to be looking at a grad transfer if they can. Reason being, Andy Van Vliet no longer will be with the program. He announced his intention to transfer late last month. The ideal grad transfer, in your opinion, for Wisconsin, and if there's any names out there that, I mean, obviously the one big one was Evan Boudreaux, who was from Dartmouth, that was going to transfer to Xavier, you know, Xavier, but then Chris Mack went to Louisville. So then he reopened it and now is going to Purdue. And he was he could have been a big name, but what other who's your ideal grad transfer in your opinion? So uh I don't know. Boudreaux is a, a big white dude. It would have been nice to have him on our team. A different big white dude that I think would be nice to have on our team is uh the gorilla from that new The Rock movie, Rampage. <laughs> He uh he keeps getting bigger and bigger and angrier and like you're not gonna be able to score on that dude. So I think guard should get a hold of the rock and uh, find out the white gorilla's information and get him on campus. Impressive, impressive. Uh, anything else uh, you want to touch base on before uh, before we let you go, brother? Yes. Uh, I don't know how many of uh, our listeners watch the TV sh- channel Bravo, but y'all need to. Southern Charm is coming back soon, and that's like the best show on TV. It's a bunch of rich Southerners who get too drunk and yell at each other, and I don't know what you think is entertaining, but that's the... I mean, I could watch that show for hours and hours. Uh, you need to check out Bravo, best channel on TV, hands down. Excellent. <laughs> I'm more of a CW guy. I, I, I like Arrow. I like The Flash because I'm a nerd. But then also oh, love Arrow. I've yeah. been watching that on Netflix. Awesome. Yeah, great show. Uh, have you seen the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Which I think yeah, I love that CW. show. I love that show too. That's hilarious. No, it's amazing. My wife got uh, – I know we're straying off of Badger-centric topics, but – uh, gosh, no, we just started watching it on Netflix and it's absolutely, fin- we got through, we just got through season one. So I'm excited to see what happens in season two. Yeah. Uh, well, the, they break phenomenal. out the song all the time. Oh, that's great. That's a great show. <laughs> uh, on that note, my good man, anything, uh, I was going to say, uh, enjoy the weekend. Uh, hopefully you get to enjoy some WrestleMania because you're a wrestling fan like I am uh, in between working like you are. Uh, and we'll catch you next week. My good man. All right. Thanks brother. Guys, Drew Hom, 
Big Gross, you know what we're going to do now? We are going to talk, uh, play our conversation, I should say, with true freshman wide receiver Aaron Crookshank here on Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Spoke with him on Tuesday about his roles in adjusting to, you know, he's a true freshman. He's an early enrollee, so technically he should still be in high school. So we talk about the adjustment there and also about the extra reps he's been getting uh, and progressing this spring. That was through seven practices. They're through eight, but I'll let you hear from what he has to say about just how he's progressing and then also like the art of the punt return, which he could be a specialist either in kickoff or punt return depending upon how much he grows. So you know what? I'll stop talking. You guys listen in. Here's Aaron Crookshank here on Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Yeah, we are here with Aaron Crookshank. And Aaron, you know, you're what, seven practices in now. And, and how are you feeling adjusting to the college game, you know, through these spring practices? I feel like I'm coming into speed now. Like, I'm getting to play faster and not second-guessing myself. I've been going good so far. And I, I just want to try I'm on track. And what's, what's been the biggest adjustment for you when it comes to uh, The playbook and the classroom. Like, the classroom, I'm not used to saying, like, a 40 to 200 classroom <laughs> just sitting in a lecture so i gotta adjust to that but it's been going good so far and the playbook is not like a high school play it's like it's more complex and more so like i just gotta learn that and just remember it and i should be fine now before we even get to talk about the offense of the playbook i th- saw you after practice were you trying to catch some punts behind your back and all <laughs> yeah <laughs> just just a little style just like to have fun in practice and when it comes to, i was talking to jack about this earlier today uh, on tuesday but what what's the art of being a punt returner? Have you in terms of in your, you know you're a true freshman, early enrollee? What are you what are you learning more about with with the art of returning and catching punts? Uh, it's basically like the most impactful part of the game in football. So like if you could get good field position, you could get your offense a good drive, start on a good drive. So it's the most impactful place. So what they play basically you just put the best person that makes somebody miss out there, and then. It should be good. It should be starting on a good, good note. Uh, when it comes, to, where, where are they seeing you? Like, what, what work at wide receiver have you gotten in terms of, uh, you know, positions, and, and how are they looking? To, you know, obviously you're still you're through your seventh practice, so it's still early on. But you know, where are you seeing yourself within the offense? Uh, I'm seeing myself at Z and also in the slot, like for like mismatches and stuff like that. So that's how I see myself right now. And you know, when it comes to like the playbook and adjustments, you know, how have you know, learning how how has that curve come along where you're picking up the, the, the playbook or what's been thrown out so far in the spring? It's been going well now. Before, like, the first three installs, I was kind of lost because I don't like, wow, there's so much plays thrown at me. But now I got the help of my teammates, our receiving core and Coach Gilmore. And, like, I go to see him every once in a while, go over some plays, go over the film. So it's been going good so far. Once I keep doing that, I should be okay. Yeah, a lot of talking to people a lot of people notice your speed yeah what have you had any matchups with some cornerbacks and then looking back at you with with your speed or learn you know when you're coming out of breaks or going for a deep pass uh every practice it's just they i'll come back after like say i caught the ball or like someone yeah. my teammate caught the ball we always talk about oh you're getting faster again huh so i've just got to showcase my speed when it comes to uh just goals. I mean, you're also not just punt returns, but kickoff returns. We've seen you back, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, too. Like, uh, what's the difference between, you know, for those that don't know, what are the difference between, you know, the punts and then kickoffs? 
uh, in terms of approach and, and just the, the fundamentals behind it? Uh, like for kickoffs, those are things like you could, you want to go you want to go take that for six. So like that's to like to start off the game, start off the game on a good note. And punt, I bo I mostly look at it like just get a first down, gain positive yards. So that's what I think is the difference. And when it comes to um, just the way you guys are, you know, you've seen how's it, you know I know with Quintez and Kendrick and Danny kind of out. You've had AJ work, you have Jack that has some experience on the field. Uh, you know, getting those extra reps. You know, what have you seen out of AJ and like how he's helped you guys or the older, you know, Quintez even like those that are on the sidelines. How have they helped you kind of start learning to pick up the, the playbook and everything? Uh, basically, like after in and out of plays, like when we have like say I'll be in for one play and I'll come out, they'll always talk and tell me like what I did wrong and then they'll tell me what I did right and they'll tell me what I should be doing. So like it's constant, constant criticism and like once I be able to be coachable and I take it in, I'll, it's mostly helpful. Is, is it AJ or is, there, is it Quintez, Kendrick, all of them? It's, it's basically all of them. Daniel. So, like, sometimes I'll go to my position. Like, I'll help. The, I'll go with um, Kendrick and I'll go with AJ. But if, um, if Quintez sees something, he'll say something to me. But mostly it'll be a like, good job, keep it up, and play, just play, play ball. And then with all those injuries, too, how have you taken those reps to take the, you know, to, to continue to progress early on? And you and Taj, have, you know, I know Taj was out before spring break for a little bit, but how have you felt that you've taken advantage of the extra reps? The uh, once I controlled, like, how much how much reps I've been taking and then I controlled, like, how much running I've been doing, it was, it was a good job because now that I could see myself, like, learning it faster and picking it up faster. So, like, it helped out. It helped out a lot. But it's still, I still got the help at um, the receiving core. And last question, uh, you, you talked about you know, the classroom. Favorite class so far early on here? Oh, my favorite class? I'll have to say, like, my my common Sykes class. It's just, like, seven of us in there, and then we just, like, talk. So not that much homework, so I got to worry about that much homework. So we just sit down and just talk. Welcome back, everybody. Bucky's Fifth Podcast, Jay Kokorowski. Just heard from Aaron Crookshank, the true freshman early enrollee wide receiver, number 11, that's getting some work on special teams as well as getting some extra reps while the, a lot of the wide receivers have been injured early on in spring camp. Drew Hom was just prior to that. Always great having Drew back on to re, to, I won't say resurrect, but um, bring back the big roast this week. And then Graf Scott Nelson on to end the show along with some quick hitters in just a few minutes. But it's mailbag time, guys. It's fan mailbag time. Thank you, guys. We had about 10 questions, and we'll break these down now. I can't answer all six or all 10 just due to time constraints. But let's start off with Daniel Lee from Facebook. Number We'll go with two of them that he's got so far. Uh, yeah, I'll go with at least one or two. We'll probably get to about six of these. Um I see the Badgers are on the number 10 ranked kicker punter in the class of 2019, but have the Badgers reached out to the number one through nine kickers, punters to gauge their interest. Now, I will say, looking at the, um, I'm guessing he's probably possibly talking about Ryan Sanborn, who visited back in March, who was the number 10 punter, number 12 kicker in the nation, according to Cole's kicking camp, number seven punter, number 10 kicker uh, in Chris Saylor kicking. So, yeah, number 10 and 12, punter, kicker, respectively, for Cole's kicking. And then number 7, punter, number 10, kicker, for Chris Saylor kicking. Uh, I will say, I'm sure they're looking out more. I even saw Taylor Melhoff earlier today, the quality control coach in terms of special teams. Also, of course, former Badger standout kicker. I 
will say that uh, I don't know who is there today, but they are looking at kickers. And so we'll give it some time. They're obviously probably looking for some kicker potentially due to the fact that Rafael Gaglianoni is this is his final year of eligibility, so they're going to need someone to replace him. You do have Zach Hintz uh, and Colin Larsh still on the roster as well, but we'll see who comes of, uh, you know, if they offer a scholarship kicker to this class. So stay tuned on that. I'm not exactly sure if they've gauged interest. I don't have really any, any insider information, but stay tuned. I'm sure there's going to be a, a kicker's name or two or three that come up uh, during, you know, by the end of this class for sure. And let's talk. Um, Number four, although last year's D-line was good, don't you think this year's D-line in depth is even going to be better? I would say right now, no. Uh, and I, I think there's potential. And I, I think you can't – and the reason why I say no is because it's hard to replace depth when you have the likes of Alec James and Connor Sheehy and Chikwe Obashi who combined for about 157, 158 games with about 90 starts, right? And you have that depth in line. Despite Obashi having, you know, an injury that kept them out of a good few games last year, you know, there was depth there. You had Isaiah Loudermilk, and it's hard to replace that depth by any stretch. And they have some young guys. That's going to be the big problem, right? You're going to have – Guy, you know, you have Isaiah Loudermilk, you have Garrett Rand at the ends. Behind that, Aaron Vopel, the 6'9, uh, 6'7 guy, 6'6, uh, 6'7. Six, 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 uh, you have Keldrick Preston, Craig Howe, David Foff. Those players need to step up now. And uh, you, for, you know, the one spot would be nose tackle, Olive Sangapolu, barring injury, is that senior that lead one of the leaders along with louder milk and ran that if those three have really taken the reins according to anoki Brechterfield, the defensive line coach taking reins of that group but i don't really feel uh, the depth from last year i don't really feel that way i they need to prove themselves not just obviously not this just the spring but going into fall camp and then into the season especially if injuries hit uh, you have to see guys like how and uh, and Foff and Keldrick Preston, Aaron Volpel, those guys really, that's how you're going to build that depth. There's talent there, don't get me wrong, but they need to continue to build from there. And, you know, Nelke Brechterfield told me that, you know, he's hoping that David Foff, you know, he basically, he, you know, I've reiterated this last week when talking to John Veldheis, David Foff needs to learn the playbook more, according to Brechterfield. Craig Howe needs to get a little stronger. Keldrick Preston needs to gain weight. He wants Keldrick right now, who's about 249 to get up to about 265, 270 in that role as, a, as an end. So, uh, But behind them, too, I mean, Bryson Williams, I think if he can really solidify that number two nose tackle position, that can only help the Badgers' defensive line. So thanks, Daniel, for those. Um, Randy Ball uh, on Twitter, at RRBall, B-A-L-L-152. A few hours ago, I'm a Badger fan from Glen Ellen, Illinois. I did follow your fifth quarter articles. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, Sam Brodner is from Glen Ellen, as I'm sure you know. So there are a lot, there's a lot of interest in his comeback from an knee injury. Is he getting some reps this spring? I am trying to follow, follow the reserves a little bit more. I didn't get a chance to really look today. Uh, just, just looking around, uh, trying to watch. He is taking part in positional drills. Uh, from what I've seen, I think he's gotten a few snaps, if I'm not mistaken, uh, during possibly some reserves, some team drills, but I'm not 
I don't exactly remember, so don't quote me on that. I mean, he is participating in the spring. He is working. Uh, you know, he does have that knee brace on his on his knee from what he suffered last spring game. Um, it is a loaded backfield, but as we know, we've seen a loaded backfield be decimated by injuries, like you saw last year with Taiwan Deal in his ankle, Chris James being out uh, for a few games. Bradrick Shaw obviously losing at the end of the last season, but also even after that first game, not having that speed that you saw in 2016. So a lot can happen. And Brodner's name, I mean, he's a former four-star kid according to the scout. I, I think, you know, I, yeah, last spring I thought he showed a little bit as well. So we're just working back from the injury. We'll see what comes out, out of it for Sam. I, I think he's got the potential to be a contributor, uh, but it is a loaded backfield. We'll see what comes of, of his situation. I'm sure he'll get some reps uh, the spring game one week from Friday uh, as well. So we'll see how that goes. But thank you so much, Randy, for that question. Uh, your boy M uh, at uh, MVicious2 on Twitter. How did Emmett Perry look out there after being out for the season? Do you think he could contribute to the team this season? And, you know, Emmett Perry, the wide receiver, did have that. Uh, I mean, he was redshirted essentially last year now he comes back and he you know limited for for a while or not yeah he was limited uh as of what was it tuesday he was out for some practices prior to spring break and i think it was that last week of spring uh, before spring break that he was out officially according to wisconsin so i really feel that yeah, today really stood out to me, and you'll read our practice report on Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com, and uh, it's just up right now. We just published it just maybe about half hour ago. I thought he played really well. I thought he got some reps in there with alongside Jack Dunn, AJ Taylor. I thought that was a really good note for him, just with all the injuries. He started working in, and I thought he did pretty well for himself. Made a couple good catches uh, in some one-on-one drills. Uh, before they went team, it was like some modified one-on-one drills with the cornerback, and, and the quarterback threw him a nice pass, and he made the catch there. So I, I think Emma Perry obviously has talent, and th- it goes back to sort of like the Brodner question. Uh, I think he could make an impact. It really depends upon what happens with injuries, but he's ma- you know today he made the most of his reps, in my opinion, with Quintez Cephas, Kendrick Pryor, Danny Davis all out. And then on top of that, you know, Cade Green's limited and still working his way back, though he took in some punt returns. So I think, like I said, you, I think he's got the opportunity. It's, it's a very stacked wide receiver group. So we'll see if he can break through because you have your top four. And then behind them, we'll see how it tur- turns out. But it should be very interesting uh, to see how like th- those redshirt freshmen like uh, Sam Delaney, Cade Green, Emma Perry do, especially with you know true freshman Taj Mustafa, Aaron Crookshank getting some reps as well. So uh, we'll see how that turns out. But uh, I like Emma Perry. I like what I saw, especially today. And then you have Brad Winner uh, at Brad underscore Shepherd N seven. Hey Jake, I'm very excited to see Jake Ferguson play this year. According to the reports, he definitely has huge playmaking ability. But do you think he's ready right now as a blocker to start? Also, what past UW tight end would you best compare him to? I don't know if he's ready to start. Uh, you have Kyle Penniston and Xander Neville. Uh, we'll see what Neville's status is coming up for fall camp. But I, I feel that those two will be the incumbents, and obviously they have the most experience out of the group. Uh, I think I, I want 
I'll have to keep an eye on this. This will be one of my objectives of watching covering practices and then you know, up until the end of spring. See how he's looking as a blocker. He's got the pass catching ability. He's caught a lot of passes thrown around him. Uh, I think he's got that opportunity there. So we'll I'll see. I think he's I think he has a chance to obviously contribute from what I've seen this spring. He was a scout team player of the year for offense last year. But I will say that he needs uh, I do want to see more out of him out of blocking before I make that determination. I do. I do think he he'll have a place in the offense somehow this year. That's just a gut feeling. No insider info. Haven't talked to Mickey Turner, the tight ends coach yet. But I have a I have a feeling that just it's going to be hard to keep him out. Of, of of reps and if he continues to have uh, the way that he's been receiving uh, the, and catching the ball, I will say, like everyone for offense, you know, as a tight end, you need to block, you need to catch. And so that blocking aspect is going to be key for Ferguson, especially after this year with uh, Neville going out and then, you know, Penniston will be one, you know, Richard Sr. the year after. We'll see how Jake develops, but I th- I think it's going to be tough to keep him off the field if he continues his progression like he is. Um, last question, uh, Marlon uh, Hestun. Sorry if I butcher this. Uh, Hestatun at Hawk Wind. Any involvement by Matt Henning- Henningsen? And Matt is a walk-on defensive end from Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. I, if I'm not mistaken. Right before spring break, he was in working alongside Olive Sangapolu and Isaiah Loudermilk, uh, the quote-unquote first-team defensive line there. Uh, I haven't seen too much of him. I haven't paid attention a lot to his position drills, but you know uh, it'll be interesting. Olive Sangapolu, you know, had, had talked about him a little bit uh, when you heard the podcast a couple of weeks ago. It should be interesting to see how he develops, and like especially if he can work his way up. He's one of those redshirt freshmen along with Volpel and Michael Balistrieri, the latter a former walk-on. Still trying to learn to position, learn more. But even today, I thought I saw him work in a couple times. And, and you know, it, time will tell. He's still young. He's still a redshirt freshman, a second-year player, and it might take a little bit of time for him to continue to grow. But the fact that, he, you know, they're starting to work in with, with those reps might mean some good things. But, you know, we'll see what happens, and we'll see who separates themselves after the def- defensive line. But he did get some reps right before spring break alongside Sangapolu and louder milk there so so it should like i said we'll keep watching it uh thank you all for your questions and before we wrap the show i'm going to take you right now to redshirt freshman safety scott nelson talking with us earlier today talking with some reporters me and jason kelly for that matter from the wisconsin state journal so you'll hear both of our voices as we talk to scott nelson about just his spring the influence oh you also have a special guest in, uh, appearance by dakota dixon he'll ask a couple of questions and uh, which is hilarious that it's like a mentor you know they're essentially brothers you can tell like one's an older brother one's a younger brother that's how their relationship really is and, and scott goes into detail about just how they grew to be friends and, and just what dakota's meant even if he's out for the spring with a shoulder injury so stay tuned i don't want to take too many spoilers there here's scott nelson here on bucky's fifth podcast <laughs> so yeah, you uh pretty comfortable with this after after scouting after games yeah scouting yeah I, I, i've been through it a couple times on the other end so uh it's not it's not something new i mean i've seen somebody do it he's he's okay at it but not too bad <laughs> how's it feel to drop your first interception in college football yeah that sucked uh, <laughs> uh but we just worked on it so it's okay I get out of here. Leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right here. I'm just sitting now on all been, uh, my interviews. Now you've been, you know, taking the first team reps out there. Um, 
is that something you, you kind of expected coming into this offseason? Um, I didn't really try to expect anything. I tried to just go in, go into winter conditioning after the bowl game and just try and work hard um, in the offseason. Then whatever happens, happens. Um, at the end of it, I mean, it's, it's spring ball. It says a lot, but, I mean, camp's, camp's really going to decide a lot. So right now I'm just trying to become the best player that I can be. When do you feel like, I'm sure, you know, at some point last year you sort of, uh, you know, let everybody know, you know, you kind of did some things to let everyone know, you know, I'm here, I can, you know, I can uh, I can play a role mm -hmm. for this team next year after I redshirt. Um, when, was there a certain moment where you thought, like, where you kind of opened people's eyes, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be a player here? Um, I don't know if there was a play. You might have to ask somebody else. I don't know. I'm just, I mean, there was a couple plays that, that people were talking about. Um, but, I mean, I was just trying to, each day I was just trying to go out and just do my job, do my 111th. Um, not try and do too much, not try and make too many plays happen, but just trying to focus on, on just doing my part and, and the plays will happen. When it comes to just doing the extra, we see you doing the extra work after practice. Mm -hmm. right? I see Dakota out here, obviously, <laughs> a, few, a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but what do you guys, what is he instilling in you in terms of the knowledge? Mm -hmm. And what are you guys working on? Even, I mean, you're doing it mm -hmm. obviously during practice, but what are you guys even working on after practice? Um, so what, what Dakota, what he's taught me from, he learned it from Mike Caputo is, um, if you want to be a professional, you got to be a professional every day, train like a professional. You got to do everything like a professional. So um, that's just, it's just working on my craft. I mean, if I do something, if I don't get a good break, I want to get another break just because like, you never want to just end on that bad one. So it's kind of just, just making the best out of each opportunity. I want to I want to do this better. Um, so then at the end of practice, I mean, I dropped a picking one-on-ones today and I dropped a picking team. So I already knew as soon as as soon as I dropped the first one, I was like, all right, I'm doing jugs after. It was just already decided. Um, so it kind of it depends. A lot of the time we'll do tackling drills. Obviously, he's limited, but um, he he'll help me whenever. He'll help me with breaks, with just testing me doing doing stuff. So um, you always got to do something extra. I mean, you're, all these guys are good. Everybody's great here. Everybody's good here. But um, in order to be great, you got to do something else. So that's that's kind of what we're trying to do. It seemed like last year, Dakota. He seemed to like really take take you under his wing. Mm -hmm. like you were in there with the in the interview room with him. And uh, how did that kind of relationship take off? Um, in the summer, I kind of came in and there was a Bible study, and I was interested in it. So I, I texted him. I got his number. I texted him. Um, I went to it, and I said a few things at it. He must have thought he he must have liked what I said or something. So he kind of talked to me after, and, and ever since then we kind of. We kind of had that, that connection where where he's just my big brother. So um, in any situation, I know I can go talk to him. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of like he, he, he expects me to help him. Um, it's not just like a one-way street, um, but he helps me tremendously. But he, he wants me to, to keep him in check, keep him, keep him humble, whatever, keep, keep him working. So um, ever since then, I mean, he always goes out to eat with me and my family after games, um, calls my mom, mama. I mean, this it's just gotten to that point where he's just a part of the family now. Is he able to kind of help prepare you for, for this year potentially? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he. I mean, once we once we realized that I was redshirting, um, he talked to me. He was kind of like, "Well, you're right. Like, like you might as well get the most out of it." And and Nick City helped me out a lot too. Just from when he redshirted, he he was working every day. He you can't just take days off just because you're redshirting. You're not playing. You gotta go at it like you're preparing for the game because next season when you are playing in the game, you gotta have that mindset, same mindset. So it's kind of just repetition, um, kind of building that. So he talked to me, he kind of prepared me. He he was my roommate when I traveled for a few games. So we kind of set set in stone what we we're gonna, what things were gonna be like next year. Um, so yeah, he's helped me. He's helped me prepare a lot for for this situation.
When it comes to playing in the defensive backfield, are you playing more free or strong or a combination of both? Uh, yeah, so on our defense, it, it doesn't really, like, there is just safeties. So gotcha. it's just two. And, I mean, right now, I mean, me and Pat are just right and left. Not that it matters. I mean, we could switch next tomorrow and it wouldn't change anything. Um, so I don't think I don't try and think too much of it. Um, whichever formation the offense comes out of, that's that's the way we're gonna line up. So if it comes, if it's on the left hash, and I'm on the right side, I'll be down. Pat will be up. Dakota will be up. Whatever. E B Seth. Um, but it just it switches up. So it's not really. I don't. It's not really a specific free or strong. Okay. So so it's really you guys are really just playing sides. Like it's not. Right now, no yeah. Difference. Yeah. There's not. There's not a difference. Um, I know last year Trail would always. They would always kind of put Trail in the post, um, and then one day Coach Leonard was like, "Like no, like Trail, you got to go down all all practice, because um, he's kind of trying to prepare us for for the next level. Um, he's got that NFL kind of mindset in the defense, so he knows what he's doing. So I mean, from from free safety to strong safety, it's just on the on the playbook, it's just a money sign. When it comes to goals for you. For, for this year, obviously, I mean, you're, it's through the eighth practice today, <laughs> and you have August 31st with Western Kentucky. Like, where do you want to be on August, that Friday night inside Camp Randall? I mean, I want to be in the best position to help my team, whether that's starting, not starting, special teams. God forbid an injury. I want to be a team, like a leader. I want to, I want to try and help this team in any way that I can, the best way that I can. So I'm not trying to put like a set thing, like. This, I want this to happen because if it doesn't happen, I don't want my mood to change. So I'm just trying to become the best the best player and the best teammate I can right now. If you do um, you know, ultimately win the starting job and, and are out there next to Dakota, um, do you think your relationship that you've built can really help you in, in a partnership like mm -hmm. that on the field? Yeah, I think, I mean, definitely. That's why, I mean, it's with Dakota is strong, probably stronger than anybody on the team with me right now. Um, so it's that trust factor. Um, where you can kind of look at each other and you know what each other are talking about without even saying anything. You kind of just signal something or just look at each other, you can kind of tell. Um, so that's just with, with hours and hours of film study and, and knowing the kind of player he is, the kind of person he is. Um, but that's, I mean, that's the same thing with Pat, EB, Seth, Reggie, the rest of the guys where you're trying to know their tendencies better. So if you're playing out there with, if you're out there playing with them, you'll know, okay, this is what we're gonna do. We gotta be in sync every single play. Um, so we can make the most plays. Do you and Dakota watch film together often? Yeah, we always go up to Coach Thunder's office pretty much probably, I don't know, four times a week, something like that, four or five times a week. Um, we'll watch old games. I can't, I can't tell you how many times we watched the Ohio State game. We watched that one probably about 15, 20 times. Just because, I mean, I got to go to that game. I didn't play, obviously, but that one, that one obviously stings. Um, so we're trying to just trying to get, get as familiar with your opponent as you can, um, know their tendencies. So so they, they may have a response, but then we can kind of respond to that back. Patrick Johnson, what have you seen out of him so far this spring? I mean, Pat's having a great spring. Um, he, he's definitely, he's one of the hardest workers on the team. Um, he's become a much better friend. I mean, he was hurt a lot of the season and I was in scout, so we weren't together a lot. So I didn't really get to know him that much, but I mean, over these, over the winter conditioning, he was in our session. We we're in the same session, and spring ball. We've gotten a lot closer, just communicating with each other, where we can kind of, we can start to kind of do that, like, like just give him a look, and he kind of knows what he's talking about. So, Pat's definitely. We've kind of, we've came together, kind of as, as friends, and then um, as players and teammates, definitely. All right, wrapping up Bucky's fifth podcast. Big thanks once again, Aaron Crookshank, 
Scott Nelson, Bryson Williams, and of course Drew Hom uh, with the big roast. A great show overall today. Going to leave you with some quick hitters, talking about some Wisconsin Badgers taking some NFL visits, working out for some NFL teams. You guys, uh, there's an article up on Bucky's fifth quarter. Make sure you guys check that all out. But we reported, I reported on Tuesday that Austin Ramish, the fullback for Wisconsin, was uh, worked out with the Lions, the Detroit Lions, on Monday on campus, and then Wednesday headed out to Oakland to, to get a top 30 visit with the Oakland Raiders, and then confirming with his, that was per his agent, Kevin Gold, and then on top of that, his agent also noted that he's visiting Green Bay on Monday the 9th. Uh, on top of that, Tom Silverstein and Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reported that uh, Jack Sitchie will get uh, will visit Green Bay as well sometime. I believe it was sometime next week. And then, you, you know, according to the Houston Chronicle, Houston Texans uh, worked out Nick Nelson. So, so there are definitely some Wisconsin Badgers getting some love. Uh, you saw uh, even Zach Halperin reporting. You know, uh, the Detroit Lions working out. Uh, they Al Golden. Uh, that name sounds familiar for college football circles was in Madison today, was going to work out. Jack Sitchie, Garrett Dooley, Leon Jacobs, Zach Halpern tweeted that out. So on that note, too, uh, going from former Badgers to future Badgers, you know, Julius Davis tweeted out earlier uh, on Thursday night The he was invited to the, and he's going to participate in the Under Armour Camp Series on May 6th, and that's a high three-star running back out of Menominee Falls has the opportunity to impress, and we'll see uh, if he's got that shot to make it to the All-American game that Under Armour sponsors each year. Then uh, you guys saw on Tuesday during my practice recap, there are a lot of visitors for the spring uh, practice number seven, which was Tuesday. Uh, you saw Marcus Graham, the 2019 North Carolina athlete, there. And uh, he did receive an offer on Monday. Spencer Little, who also visited on Monday, took in some practice, according to John McNamara, uh, on Tuesday. Then he had four-star defensive end Noah Potter also part uh, there in Madison. And big thanks to John McNamara, BadgerBlitz.com. He helped break down that, uh, break confirm he confirmed that, along with Catholic Memorial 2021 defensive end J.C. Latham. Uh, the kid's already listed at 6'6", 250, according to the rivals, and he looks only a freshman, but he's already you know, get, looks the part and it'll be all really interesting to see what he does and how he progresses uh, through his high school career. Uh, so they had those guys there and yeah, there's a lot going on right now with Wisconsin recruiting. Stay tuned. Uh, and you know, we'll see, uh, you know, obviously if what happens with just all the other recruits and decisions coming up and official visit seasons coming forward, uh, Michael Fletcher, the four star, uh, yeah, this is another couple things. Michael Fletcher, three-star defensive end, also locking in an official visit uh, from June 8th through the 10th, and he's from Michigan, and we'll see if Wisconsin can pull another Michigan native, Michigan standout to the Badger State to play in the Cardinal in white. And the last bit of news, Andrew Gentry, 2020 offensive lineman, tweets out today, that he received an offer from the Wisconsin Badgers as well. So uh, a lot of recruiting. I'm going to take it home from there, folks. Thank you guys again for listening, especially last week. 
uh, with just our record-breaking numbers. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, you know, Next week, we'll definitely talk more spring football, have more interviews. Spring game does come up, so we'll help preview that a little bit. And uh, even though the weather may not look that great, uh, but we'll also probably break down more recruiting. Uh, and obviously, uh, hopefully have a few former Badgers, or a couple former Badgers on to talk about their journey to the NFL. So a little bit of teaser there. Uh, like us, uh, like Bucky's with Quarter on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at B5Q. For me, at B5Q, And then uh, also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Google Play. Uh, tune in on TuneIn. Help us make this the most Badger-centric podcast possible. And give us your feedback. We want to hear what we can do better, right? Uh, and so... Uh, on that note, too, a big shout out to to end the show uh, to our one of our writers, Andrew Rosin. Uh, uh, just uh, big prayers up for him for recovery. And guys, we'll tune in next tune in next week. We got we'll have a lot more great content coming forward with spring football, some Badger football, NFL talk, I should say, and much more. This has been Jay Kokorowski. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch you next time on Bucky's Fifth Podcast.